Good morning, everyone. My name's Thomas, uh, along with Mary. We uh, lead Inverness Vineyard Church. So good to see you. This is part of the service that we're going to open up the Bible, read a few verses, and, and see what God wants to do. So if you've been coming the last wee while, you would have known we're traveling through the book of Exodus. We've been doing a little series on the book of Exodus. And uh, just to give you some context, we're, today we're at Exodus 15. And the people of Israel, God's people, have been set free from hundreds of years of slavery. And they are taking their first steps of freedom, with Moses leading them on. And in chapter 14, uh, we've seen God's protection and provision in the parting of the Red Sea, so that popular Bible uh, story. And we're doing a bit of back and forth uh, this morning. We're going, actually, we're going a little bit further ahead this morning. Cherry's going to pick up next week at Exodus 14 and unravel the parting of the Red Sea in a bit more detail. So we're picking up on chapter 15. With this, it's called The Song of Moses and Miriam. And uh, Miriam was the elder sister of Moses. So we're reading in Exodus 15. We're starting at verse 1. The words will be behind me. And uh, hopefully, if you need a Bible, I think somebody went round, hopefully. If not, you can read from the screen. If you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love you to take a Bible home. We'd love everyone to have a Bible at home. So please take that as a free gift from us if you uh, would like a Bible. Let's pray before we, we read God's Word. Lord, thank you so much for these spaces where we can focus on you, where we can cry out to you, where we can call on your name. And we pray as we read your words that you'll be speaking into the very depths of our soul about purpose, about who we are in you, Lord. You remind us that we don't do this journey alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's read Exodus 15, starting at verse 1. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. They, the deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waves, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? 
You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by. Lord, until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, Lord, you made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. Amen. So these uh, particular verses in chapter 15 uh, are known as the Song of the Sea, the Song of the Sea, and it is a poem sung by the Israelites after crossing the Red Sea in safety, and some would say it's the oldest recording song, record, recorded song in the world. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I, how old am I? I'm 35 tomorrow. I'm 35 tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Get a round of applause. I'll take it. Come on. <laughs> I'm 35 tomorrow. And I don't know if it, if it's because I'm 35, but I am getting really forgetful. I'm getting really, really forgetful. It's a bit worrying. A couple of people are like, we need to pray for you. We need to pray for you. And it's just little things that I, I keep forgetting. I need to get back to writing lists. That's what I need to do. And Mario will testify uh, to this, that a couple of times a week, I tend to forget things like putting things in Joshua's bag or forgetting, I don't know, just loads of things. So if you're sitting here this morning and you know I've forgotten to do something, you've for, I've forgotten to give you back something, I, I'm really sorry. And your DVD might be on eBay, I don't know. It might, it might be long gone. Uh, but one thing that always bugs me and, and happens to me quite a lot lately is, and I don't know if anyone else gets this, when you try to remember a song and you're trying to tell a friend, oh, I heard a really great song, and they're like, oh, how did it go? And you're like, oh. I can't remember how the song went. I can't remember. And you try to hum it or you sing words that you don't really know if they're the words or not. And you just try to teamwork it, don't you, to try and get, oh, I've heard that song before. I've heard that song before. Well, I have found a solution in Verness Vineyard Church. If you have a song that you know roughly the tune, if you can hum it or you know some words, there is a website for this. And this is life-changing. The website is called Medomi, M-I-D-O-M-I. And you go onto this website and you hum the tune to the computer. <laughs> I've done this for about 25 minutes this week, just trying it all out. I bet I won't know this one. <laughs> so, and it tells you what the song is when you hum it to the computer. Uh, so I thought in good old-fashioned, relaxed style, I would test you out a bit with my humming skills. Are we up for that? I'll hum a few tunes to you. Right, here's the first one. I was going to gargle water, but I thought that's not, for the front row, that's not going to be good. So here we go. I'm actually going to, I might need to turn my back. Anyone? Yes, The Greatest Day by Take That. There we go. I was going to give you a sweetie, but they've all gone. Here's the next one. There it 
there we go. Brilliant. Should we just continue doing this? Let's forget. <laughs> and the last one. Oh, these are wonderful. This is good. Right. It's annoying when you forget a song, isn't it? But it's amazing when you remember a song that you love. Soundtrack. I have soundtracks for certain seasons. A song that matters, a song that means something that's significant for memories, reminders, or truth. You know, for the people of Israel, I'm sure that this song was the heartbeat of their walk at that time. There's no one going to be forgetting what God has done at that point, at that very point. And if you think about songs that we remember, we do so because we love them or it holds special memories. Uh, there's moments in our lives where th those words mean something. Or it's maybe just a catchy song and we can't get it out of our head. But something happens when a song is deposited that really means something and takes root and it's protected. So when uh, we dip back into that memory, it's there clear as day. I remember our, our wedding, we saw uh, our first dance song, Snow Patrol, Chasing Cars. Whenever I hear that, I'm just transported back to that moment. I remember uh, on the, the labor ward when we had Joshua and Mary had a playlist and uh, the song that was playing during the labor was Only Love Can Hurt Like This. <laughs> no word of a lie, that is a true story. You know, this song was vivid for the people of Israel. Not only love can hurt like this, the, the song in Exodus 15, the song of Moses and Miriam. And we have the same, I'm sure, during times of worship. When we worship, and these guys lead us so brilliantly in songs of truth, magnifying Jesus, that these words carry weight, that they hit us and God reminds us of who he is and what he's done with us, done for us, that he's not giving up. Or maybe they speak into times in the past where they've been tough, but God has, has never given up on us. Or as we look to the future with fresh hope, or it reminds us of who God is afresh. God moves in these moments of song, in these moments of worship. And uh, the chapter, I want to look at three things this morning. I want to draw out three things. And the three things I want to look at is that this is firstly a song of surrender. It's a song that reminds us of God's mercy and God's forgiveness. And then finally, it is a song of hope. So firstly, it's a, a song of surrender. In verse 2 of the passage, it says, The Lord is my strength and my song. And as I was reading that, that those words just really struck me. The Lord is my strength. He's my strength. And it takes me back to surrender. We had done a talk a, a few weeks ago on obedience and surrender. We'd love you to uh, listen to that. We go into surrender in a bit more depth. But these words can be uncomfortable. I surrender. And I, I was remembering, trying to remember, when was the last time I said, I surrender? And the one time I could think of was my stag do. It was my stag do when I went paintballing and... The, the guy who was leading the paintball and gave me like two minutes to run as fast as I could. I ended, actually I was tied up with my best man by the ankles and we were given one minute to run away uh, into the woods and we both fell like 20, 20 feet ahead of us. So we had 20 guys shooting us with paintballs on my back and I've got a picture on my back. It's just like 
covered with paintball marks. And I was just screaming, I surrender! And my hands were spasming while I was getting hit with these paintballs. And I just remember screaming, I surrender! I don't know why I was saying that. That wasn't even a word to end the game. It was just, I surrender! I surrender! There's just a couple of things on uh, surrender I want to say. Let's not be stubborn with surrender. Surrender also is to stop resisting and to submit. I'm incredibly stubborn when it comes to any kind of surrender in any kind of competition setting. A couple of people are nodding their heads. I am a, a glass half full, no surrender kind of guy when it comes to competition. When I spend time with my dad and we play snooker, if he is 40 points ahead and there's only 20 points left in the table, I'm still hanging around. It might be the longest game of snooker you know, ever, but I, I'm not going to give up. Or another thing is when I don't give up, I've any is like been flicking through the terrestrial TV channels and you see a movie and you've got that movie on DVD. It's getting really late at night, but you're going to stay up and watch it. There's something about watching a movie that you already own on terrestrial TV and I end up staying up and watching it, even though I could watch it anytime. I'm like, I'm not going to give up here. I'll get another coffee. But I know this can also be true in my spiritual walk. And I'm sure for many of us here this morning, and although I can actually be really stubborn and not giving up in the God stories for other people, not giving up on praying for that person to be healed or for that struggle that somebody has, although I can be really stubborn with that kind of, I'm not going to give up, when it comes to me, it gets tougher. It gets tougher. We can be incredibly stubborn when it comes to surrendering our lives to God and His plans when it comes to us. Yeah, we can be, say, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to pray through that situation with you. But when it comes to us, we're like, mm. when God is telling us to do something in prayer and tr to trust Him, instead of thinking, I can sort it in my own strength, or when we're facing a challenge which requires a plan of action, and I think of every single eventuality and every single action I can cover myself then I'll actually go to God and I'll give it to him. Or when there's a call to take a risk for God, and we actually go, I'm going to choose safety and normality, nice and easy. You know, the opening line to this song, the Lord is my strength, means that each one of us don't need to be strong. We don't need to be strong. We don't need to stubbornly and, pa and painfully hold on to the last shreds of independence and wait because God wants our dependence to be wholly on Him. Human strength, time and time again, is inadequate for the really important challenges of life. Yet we stubbornly try to get through most of the time. In these moments, He is to be our strength who picks us up and who carries us. And everyone, that, that is okay. That is okay. That is why we're here, to surrender afresh when we come on Sundays. So when we come into this space, let's shake off that stubbornness and say, the Lord is my strength. He is my strength. He is my strength. Secondly, in, in this point, He fights for us. He fights for us. He has our back. And that is more than enough. Uh, that very same stag do when I was getting pelted with paintballs and I thought, what on earth is this ever going to end? Uh, my, Mary's brothers weren't there. So Mary has two older brothers. And if you know Mary's brothers, they are, are big guys. One of them was in the Marines and the other one is like six foot four. They are, you know, they're big, strong guys. And they weren't there the first night of our, 
uh, my stag do. And I had all my friends going, oh, you wait till tomorrow night, Thomas. You don't know what's going to happen. And I was just having fears, like real fears of I'm going to be like chained to a, a lamppost somewhere and I'm going to be lost and I won't have a mobile phone and I won't get married. And what's going to happen to me? What's gonna, I was like really, really fearful. And uh, they came on the, the Saturday in the afternoon and I knew at that point, because I was, I was genuinely worried, I need to get some reinforcements here. I need to make sure that these guys have my back. So when John and David arrived, I took them to one side. And I just said, look, guys, the rest of my friends, they're saying they're going to do something really awful to me. Can, I, can you just promise me that you're going to have my back, that you're going to look after me? And they were like, yeah, don't worry. Don't worry, don't worry about it, mate. And, you know, when they said that, I knew, and I was kind of thinking, they're good Christian men. When they say that, <laughs> they really mean that. You know, they're not going to say, yeah, we'll look after you and then be the perpetrators of something terrible and that will end up in me being scarred for the next 40 years. So when they said that, I thought, I'm going to be okay. They are good guys. And they had my back. And I went into that evening genuinely with no fear at all. And everything was okay. It was okay. I trusted that they had my back. In verse 3, it says, the Lord is a warrior. This is a declaration of God's willingness to fight for his people. And he fights for us. He has our back this morning. When we surrender to him, when we remember this song, we remember that God has our back. He battles on behalf of us. He is a warrior. We are in a battle, but he is with us every step of the way. One uh, commentator, so a guy who studied this in a bit more depth, he puts it like this. It means for us no allies, no dependency on foreign powers, no confidence on earthly deliverers, but only on the one true God. So whatever the enemy tries to derail us with, God is there to fight that battle. He is a warrior. Think of that picture. I think right away, Gladiator. I think Russell Crowe and Gladiator. Brilliant film. I think Armour. I think, you know, he's going to protect us. I think the darkest valleys. I think the night. I think the surprise attacks. I think the same attack that seems to be coming to us again and again and again and again. God steps up and steps in every single time. There isn't a time that God lays down the fight. There isn't a time that God steps back. There isn't a time that God gives up on us. He defends us. What amazing love for each and every one of us this morning. And actually, what an amazing comfort and reassurance for us this morning. That we have a warrior walking alongside us, in us, willing to fight for us in the battles of life. In both the spiritual and the physical and then it's not on us to retaliate or defend. We are called to love. Some of us, maybe here this morning, have very little fight left. Some of us maybe just need a reminder that we have a, that God is a warrior in the battles. Some of us have maybe been trying to battle on ourselves. Or without Jesus, because we, we've never asked him into our lives. We would love to pray that prayer today with you. To not do it alone, but have Jesus in your heart, walking alongside you. And surrender requires perseverance as well. The practice of surrender requires 
perseverance. It's a moment-by-moment -moment and lifelong uh, decision to surrender. You may have to surrender your life 50 times a day. In Matthew 16, 24, it says, if people want to follow me, this is uh, Jesus, they must give up the things they want. They must be willing even to give up their lives daily to follow me. It should carry a bit of a, a warning though as well. When you decide to live a totally surrendered life, that decision will be tested when we say, I'm all out for you, Jesus. That decision will be tested. And sometimes that will mean doing things that are inconvenient, things that are unpopular, things that are costly, things that seem impossible. It will often feel like doing things that are completely the opposite to what you feel like doing in that moment. So how do we respond this morning? Some of us maybe need to shake off the stubbornness and surrender fully and let go. Or maybe some of us were just, just really pleased to be reminded that God is a, a warrior this morning, that he's with us in the battle. And there's a difference between commitment and surrender. There's a difference, I just want to mention, with commitment, you're still in control no matter how noble the thing is that you commit to. Uh, somebody said, one can commit to pray, to study the Bible, to give his money, or to commit to uh, lose weight. Whatever he chooses to do, he commits to. But surrender is different. If someone holds a gun and asks you to lift your hands in the air as a token of surrender, you don't tell that person what you're committed to. You simply surrender and do as they say. Maybe some of us need to drop to our knees this morning and surrender. It's not about making commitments when we leave here. It's about just bringing our all to Jesus' feet. So it's a song of surrender. And then secondly, it's a song of forgiveness. Maybe when we said, when I said about God being a warrior, willing to fight for us, one or two of us went, ah, but I've done a lot of bad stuff. Or I've got a lot of guilt over just what, what's went on in my life, or shame, and it follows me. Well, this is the, the great thing about this song and a reminder for us, and it's a, it's a game changer, that this song reminds us of God's forgiveness. I just want to read verse 4 to verse uh, 12. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he is hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to their depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble by the blast of your nostrils. It's quite a picture that, isn't it? The waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead, lead in the mighty waters. Who is among the gods? Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? Verse 10 says, You blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. There's a bit of, if you think of the picture of that, sinking like lead, there's a lot of uh, pictures of sin being cast into the sea that's woven throughout God's Word. Just to pick up on a few, Jeremiah 51, 
verse 63 to 64, speaks about the overthrow of uh, Babylon by the Medes and the Persians, and it says Babylon shall sink. Ezekiel 26 speaks about the destruction of Tyre, and it says throw your stones, timber, and rubble into the sea. Revelation 18.21, John has a vision of the fall of Rome, and it says a mighty angle took up a stone like a great milestone and cast into the sea. The great city of Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more. You know, Jesus on the cross dealt with our sin. Past, present, future. And he buried them in the waters and they sank like lead, never to be seen again. This picture of sin being cast into the sea is a really powerful, powerful picture. I wonder if we could all close our eyes for a second. I just want to read out something to us. Imagine that you are standing on the edge of a sheer cliff, towering above the crashing waves, breathing the off the majesty of the scene, the gloomy storm clouds gathering above you, the salty scent of ocean spray, the dull roar of restless sea. You hold in your hand a large stone. This stone is all that you have ever hated about yourself and everything in your heart that you wish that you could change. Just to hold it in your hand feels like a giant millstone hung from your neck. It is every sin against God that you have ever done and every chance to do good that you have left undone. It's every evil thought, every bitter word. How good would it feel to be rid of that stone? To see it cast into the depths of that violent sea below. To see it disappear emphatically and forever. Micah 7, 18 to 19 says, Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You can open your eyes now. Isn't that amazing? God is so completely and utterly forgiving of all of us. And will continue to be so in spite of what we continue to do to muck up. If you uh, do not know Jesus this morning, if you are worried about what you've done wrong, or how he feels about you. You are, you are wrong to feel that. He loves every single one of us. He treasures every single one of us. And we are called to throw those stones into the sea. We need to get better at going to the cliff and throwing these stones, just like these pictures have said. Because Jesus has took care of all those stones. He's took care of all those stones. When we believe and trust in Jesus and ask him into our hearts, we're, we're free. We're to live in freedom. We're to live in freedom. And there's maybe some of us, we've got rid of a few stones, but we've got a few still in our back pocket. Oh, we've got a few that we need to just bring and lay at his feet. It's like, it's like wearing the old us, the old clothes. When we become... A Jesus follower, we're called to lay all that down. Sin has no part of us. We are called, we are a new creation. We are a new creation. God is calling some of us to empty our pockets at Melbourne Academy this morning. 
And perhaps for some of us, it's the first time in many years that we've pulled that stone out of our pocket. Perhaps it's the first time ever. And this is a space where he wants us to do that. So it's a song of forgiveness, God's great love for us. And then finally, just as we draw things to a close, it's a song of hope. It's a song of hope. Speaks off in verse 17 to 18. Plant, he plants them on the mountain of your inheritance. So the people of Israel were saved from slavery and again at the Red Sea. And God makes clear about an inheritance, that there was, there was more to come. I do realize that every, nearly every single talk I do, I, I end up speaking about a TV show. I do not watch a lot of TV, just to clarify. <laughs> just have a good memory, that's all. I, I cry a lot at certain TV shows, and, and one show I cry at, not Brit, Great British Bake Off, you'll be glad to hear, uh, DIY SOS. Why are you laughing? <laughs> They do up a house, they go and bless a family who's had a particular struggle or a loss of some sort, and they go into their house and they just completely transform it. And not only that, is it strangers doing that, but it's the whole community getting round. And you have this picture at the end, don't you, where they come out of the front door of a place that looks completely different to how they left it, and there's like a hundred people and they're all like cheering for this, this family and they're bawling their eyes out and then the people that have done it are bawling their eyes out and then everyone watching the TV show are bawling their eyes out. But you see, don't you, And on that picture, you, they maybe expect the bedroom just to have a, a lick of paint and they show them the bedroom completely revamped and it's like, okay, that's that room, but that's not all. Let me take you to another part of the house and we've done the kitchen for you. Not only that, we've extended it and we've knocked down a wall. Isn't that amazing? But that's not all. Let me take you into the bedroom, actually, for your, your little boy. You know, the need wasn't immediately for him. It was for you, but we had a bit of time. So let's go and see the room. Isn't that amazing? Go and check out your bunk bed. But that's not all. Let's go back. Let's go into the garden. We had some gardeners who got in touch, so we, we, they wanted to completely revamp it, and we've done everything here. We've got new grass in, we've got a shed, but that's not all. Come into the shed. Actually, it's a playroom. It's got a TV in it, but that's not all, but that's not all. It's extraordinary, actually, as they take them through the house. And you know, last week, if you were here, we spoke about marking the moments. In Exodus, there's festivals of remembrance which were established to celebrate God, uh, to celebrate what God has done. And you know, God is whispering to us, of not only to mark the moments, God is whispering to each and every one of us this morning, that's not all. As we reflect back, God, you were so good in that, how you provided. He's wanting to say this morning to us, that's not all. Not to dwell on them, to celebrate them, but to remember, that's not all. As we look a, a wee bit deeper into the passage, the very first words of the song are, I will sing. And that's also translated as, I must sing or let me sing. There's a declaration, a hunger, a no holding back for the people as a result of what God has done for them. And for us, there's a challenge to do the same. I will sing to the Lord, to thank him, to praise him. Or I've had a rubbish week and it might be easy to turn off. I will still sing. Or when things are great, I will sing. 
or when things are collapsing in front of our eyes, I must sing. Why? Because we are in a relationship with Jesus. And when we give up our power, God shows up in his power. When we are weak, he is strong. We are to live a life of surrender to the king who is enough, who forgives us and brings hope into a broken world. And although this passage demonstrates a hunger off the back of a real high and off the back of a real celebration moment, it's essential, it's essential and it's so important in the lows when we're having our doubts, when we're in the battles. Rick Warren says, your most profound and intimate experiences of worship will likely be in your darkest days. When your heart is broken, when you feel abandoned, when you're out of options, when the pain is great and you turn to God alone. So let's remember the song of Moses and Miriam. It's a song of surrender, a song of forgiveness, and it's a song of hope. Why don't we stand?